0: producing audio for every need, and Greta Pope Entertainment, for the finest in entertainment. Hey there, and welcome to the third season of the Business Savvy Singer podcast. We're so glad that you're here. This season of the podcast features weekly interviews with professional singers of all genres and backgrounds, in addition to featuring experts who provide support services for singers. Join us each week for great information to move your career forward. Keep in touch with us via social media. We want to hear from you. Hey there, and welcome to the Business Savvy Singer podcast. I'm excited today. I have a lady with me who is doing uh, and has done some very interesting research Uh, on women's uh, singing. And she also speaks on a lot of other things. And we're going to learn all about what she does today. Her name is Nancy Boss, and she is the author of Singing Through Change. And I'm going to let her talk about what exactly that is. Hi, Nancy. Welcome.
1: Hi, Greta. It is so great to be on this show with you. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm delighted to have you. So give us a little bit of information about your beginnings. How did you
1: begin in music? Oh, wow. All right. Well, let me start by saying that I was born and raised in South Dakota, and uh, neither of my parents were musicians. Uh, I went to church, my church choir director. It was a town of 100,000 people, so this isn't a small town, but coincidentally, my church choir director was also my high school choir director. And so... Uh, that, that luckily, his name was Alan Stanga. He had a really great influence on my life. I was super fortunate to have Alan Stanga as this massive musical instrument. In, instrument? Influencing. <laughs> Excuse me. But I was raised on country, western, rock, pop, top 40. And I had only heard one classical song. It was Anamalfo's Ave Maria on oh. this Christmas when I was growing up. And that was the only thing I knew about classical music. And of course, this was now the the 80s. Classical music was the only way to go if you were going to major in music. So Mm -hmm. I was singing in church, but it wasn't necessarily classical. I was singing solos in choir, but not necessarily classical. Mm -hmm. When I was 16, I started to take voice lessons because my choir director said, it's time. And my voice was a little too big and too rich for a 16-year-old you know, <laughs> that, that classic mezzo issue, you know, skinny little 16-year-old with this 40-year-old voice. And um, so I started taking voice lessons, and that teacher got me into the 24 Italian arias. And uh, it, it, was, it was a battle. It was a battle for me to appreciate that music, and it was a battle for that teacher to try to teach me. <laughs> but nonetheless... I I was still, you know, one of the best singers in town for my class. And so I went off to be a music major, wow. not knowing what it meant, not knowing that it meant that I would not be able to touch that country, Western pop and rock music. In fact, there was one young man at the college that I went to who sang rock band on the weekends. And he was so upsetting to the faculty. Oh, yeah? Poor Tony. Tony, you know, is ruining his voice by singing in this mm-hmm. rock band. We, should, we, should we kick him out of the voice major, you know, just because he sang in a rock band on the weekends? That was then. <laughs> I remember those days very well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that's that's kind of how I got my start in music, you know, mm-hmm. um, singing uh, at the family gatherings I was, all, and playing piano, I was mm-hmm. always, Nancy, will you sing something for us? Or Christmas, um, you know, singing Christmas carols, uh, then I would usually, when my Aunt Treva couldn't accompany us, then, then I would accompany
0: That's us. great. That's <laughs> great. So once you got the degree in music, yeah. what did you do after that? Did you do a lot of singing or did you go into teaching right away or research? What
1: did you do? I actually have to back you up. I never got the degree in music. Oh. Because, yes, because... And I go into this a lot of this in a TED Talk that I did this summer. I developed severe performance anxiety. Mm. I was developing that stage fright in middle school and high school. it was growing and growing, but I could still, I could still sing with shaking knees. Mm-hmm. But by the time I got to college and I was studying music, 100 percent, it was completely unfamiliar with me for me. And I was told that, well, you can either be a classroom teacher. Or you can have a professional opera career. And if you want the professional opera career, you're going to have to go to Europe, Mm -hmm. which at the time I had no interest in leaving home. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, um, yeah, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't do the junior recital. And I didn't want to have the professional performance career. And I knew I didn't want to stand in front of a classroom of children. (laughs) It's (laughs) not in my genetics. (laughs) That's I can funny. I can handle one person at a time. You put 25 people in front of me and <laughs> my brain explodes. Like That's I tried strange. it fire choir directing. I can't even do that. Too many people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It's interesting. And Back
0: at that time, there was not a lot of talk about stage fright that everyone gets it. You know, I can remember my teachers just like, oh, well, you'll get over it. Just keep singing. You'll get over right. it. But, they're, but they're, you know, it's, it's an anxiety, something to really be
1: dealt with. You bet. They had no idea what to do with it, and it's it's all professional singers who are teaching the singers, mm-hmm. right? So they're people who have probably not gone through this themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. There, there was so little understanding. It, it's, I hope this isn't too graphic, but say I was a carpenter and I lost my right arm. Mm-hmm. That's what it'd be like. You're a singer, but you've got stage fright. So what are you going to do? Right. You know. Right. You know, permanent disability. Goodbye. Yeah. So got my degree in arts administration, oh. which meant a business degree, economics minor. A music minor. Great. <sighs> yeah, it worked. But yeah. and and I do love business, I, and and you love business. Yes, I do. And so, yeah, and so that that melding of mm-hmm. uh, being a musician and a business person, I've really yeah. enjoyed that. But, yeah. But uh, to be honest, straight out of college, I could not get a job in the arts. It was during Bush senior's administration when he mm-hmm. was cutting the administration funding to the ground. Yeah. Which. In the long run, perhaps was a good thing. You know, maybe our arts institutions were too dependent upon the government for funding. Mm-hmm. But at that time, that meant that all these organizations were cutting back and closing. There were tons of arts administrators out of work. And so I could not get a job in that field. Yeah. And I managed a lady footlocker for three years. Oh, hi. That's interesting. <laughs> I'm also an athlete. So, yeah. so workout clothes and issues that made sense to me. That's great.
0: That's great. What kind of athlete? What, what sports do you play?
1: You know, um, uh, just a smattering of everything, Um, nothing, nothing professionally because I had to choose between music and athletics, but uh, at the time, basketball, cross, cross country running, Uh, now rock climbing, Um, I love weightlifting and do some Tai Chi yoga. That's great. That's great.
0: So when did you begin your quest for information about the the whole menopausal thing? I mean, how did that happen for you? (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, let me, I'm, I'm going on about my past, but, but let me say that from the arts administration, then eventually I started taking singing lessons when I lived in Los Alamos, New Mexico. There were too many students for the teacher. And so when I suggested an interest in teaching voice, she said, absolutely, let's get you going. Her name was Dr. Candice Magner. So that was when I was about 26, I started teaching voice, and that was how I fulfilled my need for music, bad and singing in mm-hmm. church solos. When I was about 35, I decided it was time to overcome my performance anxiety. And so I tackled it head on with hypnotherapy, exposure therapy, um, finding teachers who really believed in me. Uh, Canvas was no longer part of my life and I needed to find a new teacher, which was Robert Edwin. And so the empowerment that I got through those three different strategies got me over oh. the stage for it. And I performed in NATSAW, which is the National Association of Teachers of Singing, classical singing competition. I did not do a great showing, but the important thing is that that was my senior recital. Mm-hmm. I showed and performed those you know, nine of the 18 songs and that, okay, good, check, done. That's so great. performance anxiety, I can honestly say, is completely in my past as far as I've experienced so far. But I did start to get anxiety in my mid-40s when I had no idea what menopause would bring for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: my, my aunt Anita, she reached out by an email. She was moving from Iowa to Southern Texas for her retirement, and she decided that she was going to join the community choir, and she wanted to know how to get her soprano voice back. Okay. Now, she had only sung in church for about 45 years and prior to that though she was the she was the high school singer who got all the solos and sang in the choir and stuff so so she wanted to get that 18 year old voice back and i thought i have no idea anita how does this work and so that was the stuff that started me going then i met this brilliant woman named kate fraser neely who was postmenopausal with a lot of trauma around her singing voice and menopause, and also having multiple surgeries. She and I together shared this passion for helping to learn about helping each other learn about this and then mm-hmm. do the research, hopefully, publish something. Mm-hmm. And then together with Joanne Bozeman, who now Joanne Bozeman is amazing because she used to be um, a birth expert and she's an expert in hormones for women through the. Uh, reproductive phases mm-hmm. and he's like yes I want in on this the three of us Kate and Joanne and I we kind of make a complete human because yeah. I'm the business person I've got I've got the, the the certification in project management I know how to get publishing done Kate is a dreamer with amazing ideas and a lot of passion to make sure that we drive into the difficult topics. And Joanne is a researcher through and through. She just loves you. Give her a word, and she'll spend an hour researching wow. that word. So the three of us together, that's we made awesome. a great author.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, that's a perfect combination.
1: Yeah, wow. it really worked. Yeah,
0: that's wonderful. So, in addition to this topic, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I attended a workshop that you presented, and boy, was it! informative because we really don't think of those hormonal changes uh, right. as affecting the voice. You know, and yeah. I, I I thought it was so fascinating. And I think it's such a valuable thing for voice teachers of all ilks, because you never know what your student is experiencing, what your student is going through. If you teach adult students, you're likely going to have At least one student that is perimenopausal or menopausal or something, and they're not able to uh, stay on pitch in the way that they used to, or not able to sustain the breath, some of these kinds of things. What are some of the things that you've seen
1: uh, with regard Uh, to menopause? Well, the, the number one thing that I see is subtle little changes that a woman thinks I'm doing something wrong. I've become a bad singer. I'm blaming myself. And the minute that those subtle little changes start to cause those thoughts, those thoughts cause more subtle little changes, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's that very basic understanding that we are all changing, but especially women in their thirties, forties, and fifties, we're going through massive hormone changes that land us on the other side, completely different in our hormonal physiology. And, uh, the, so so, so the things that I would look for in perimenopause would be, am I having a hard time singing in harmony? Am I having a hard time singing as loudly as I used to? My resonance isn't as good as it used to be. My vibrato has changed. Um, these are all things that you think, well, I'm not doing any, anything differently. Mm-hmm. Why? 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 Well, because your body's changing. So so the solution is to go to a really great teacher who helps you listen to your body, your changed body and how it is now, not how it was when you were 18 or 22, when you had your last voice lesson, right? It's how is it now when you're 40, when you're yeah. 45 and 50 and singing this new instrument, optimizing this new instrument.
0: Wow. That is, it's really fascinating. We certainly are going to put your information in our show notes so that people can access your book. It's called Singing Through Change. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's it's everywhere. Um, and I, I think it's a valuable thing for teachers to read and for women, female singers, to read so that they have some sense of what is going to happen and that they can continue to sing and be good singers.
1: Yeah. That's right. Um, you know, we're singers in our, in our core, in our heart, in our soul, and in our minds. And if you think or if it happens to you that your voice changes so much that you think you can't sing anymore, oh, that's devastating. So one of my favorite things about the book is we had to do the research ourselves. And we researched 56 um, different women's stories. We interviewed these women in-depth research And those 56 women walk through the book with you. You get to hear their stories and hear how they dealt with their issues to get to the other side. Now, not every woman has debilitating voice changes. There are plenty of women who just skate through without any problems. And uh, so I want to acknowledge them, let them know to be grateful. And we can't judge any two women against each other. Every woman's journey is different.
0: Yeah. Wow. That is so fascinating. So Thank now you. I know that you have other topics that you speak on as well, oh. and I'd like you to share that information with us. Uh, you never know. I mean, you know, there might be some opportunities for you out there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, so a little story, um, uh, about, uh, Oh, in 2005, I wrote, I was, I was a Nats intern and I didn't understand what warmups are for. Why do we do vocalizing? What are warmups for? I was, I was young. And so I decided I'm going to learn about this. And while I'm learning, I might as well write it in a book. So I wrote a book called Singing 101. And Singing 101 is, is now print, Kindle, audiobook. It started out as a CD set. And a few years ago, I decided to make a video course on this book and I have not had the confidence to market my video course. Maybe, maybe 50 people in the world have seen this video course. <laughs> and, and, and like, oh my gosh, you know, getting used to yourself on video, that's a whole new level of yeah. stage fright, I guess. <laughs> So, but not only that, I was the editor and the producer and it's a little bit corny. And so I had an actor from Florida reach out to me last week and say, I need a voice teacher. Will you teach me? And I said, no, I don't teach anymore. I'm sorry. But do you want to start with a singing one hundred and one video course? I'll give it to you for free and you can critique it. And I'm so happy to say that he's he's a professional actor. He comes back and said... It's great. Oh, like,
0: okay. wonderful.
1: <laughs> yeah. So hopefully you will see me actually telling the world about the Singing one video course. If you don't, please call me out and say, Nancy, I thought you were going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, um, the 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 idea that teenage girls, probably the biggest, the most passionate demographic about singing, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of confusion about identity and singing. So I wrote a book called "Singing um, uh, Teen Girl Singing Guide, excuse me, that helps them sort out their role in singing, um, it asks them a lot of questions based on the Myers-Briggs personality scale. You know, so your best friend is singing in the musical. Should you be auditioning to the musical, too? There's a there's a hip-hop band that wants you to rap with them. Should Is that okay? Actually, I don't talk about hip-hop because the book's a little older than that. <laughs> but that's the kind of questions. <laughs> yeah. um, but I major in music. Um, and then I went on to write the Singing, um, singing Through Change book all of these to empower the general public to sing more because it drives me nuts that we think that if I can't sing like Beyonce, if I can't sing, you know, like, like Elvis, I shouldn't even bother. How many people have you talked to and they, you tell them who you are. They say, Oh, I, I can't sing. Yeah. You know, like, no, you can, you're human and and, and, And singing is not singing is is older than human, you know, um, Dogs sing, cats sing, elephants sing, whales sing, mammals sing, Mm -hmm. and and since we're part of the mammalian line, singing is part of how we communicate as babies before we have words. We're making singing-like sounds, and that's how we receive information from our moms before we understand words and from our dads is through that singing-like tone, you know— so so when anybody says to me they can't sing, it it breaks my heart just a little bit.
0: Mine too. I have exactly that same reaction because I feel that everyone can sing. It's just knowing how to make the sounds that you want to make. Yes, and
1: yeah. and and so the flip the other part of that is having the psychological and emotional freedom to make those sounds. Yes. And so that's that's my new passion. My new I passion, know. which I think I think this is actually my calling. I mean, singing through change, fabulous. I'm I'm so glad we were able to crack that nut open yeah. for the first time. Yes, but what I really care about is get, get, helping people get out of their own ways. Yeah. Get get the stories that they are telling themselves that that they can't say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, back in college, I went to an entertainment hypnotherapist show, and this entertainment hypnotherapist. There were fifteen hundred of us in the audience, twelve people on stage. And he had those 12 people doing amazing things with their voices and their bodies when they were hypnotized, Mm -hmm. stuff that they would never do because it's not part of their story of who they are. Right, right. Yeah, But you have somebody up there entertaining the audience like Frank Sinatra, (laughs) and he's actually a chemistry major who likes to type behind the computer. That was a big eye-opener for me. It's like, wow, we can all be anything that we tell ourselves we can be. I mean, it is is a baloney. It's true. That's right. So let's get those stories lined up. That's my, yep.
0: That's great. That's absolutely fantastic. And that that is true for singing. It's true for anything. It is true for anything. Yeah. 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 That's wonderful. So now your TEDx talk, what
1: was the topic of
0: that? Was that the singing through change or...
1: No, the TEDx talk was this, um, this personal narratives, the stories that we tell ourselves. So okay. the TEDx talk, uh, for the first half of it, which is about seven or eight minutes, I'm talking about my journey to becoming a person with Stage Bright. What were those little stories that got planted in my head from my family, from my community, uh, from the culture at large, from my understanding of my heritage? There's all these little stories that got planted in my mind about how, well, Here's one of them. You go up and sing the solo, in church especially. And for that moment, all eyes are on you. You are the vessel of the spirit coming out to this congregation. But in my upbringing, the minute that you step away, you're not special. Don't think that you're better than any of us. It's a very confusing message for a 14-year-old, right? It's like, wait, I thought I was, okay, I'm not. And so it really helps to have somebody help you sort that out. Yes. Like how, how do you balance being in the spotlight mm-hmm. and then being a human? Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of the little stories that, that um, I don't actually talk about that one at TED Talk. There are a handful of them. at any rate, And then reaching a point where, where it's like, nope, going to break through and change mm-hmm. this. And then help the audience in the TED Talk understand how they can start to reframe their stories, reframe their narratives. And now I'm actually teaching small group classes how to do this in, in weekly meetings. Oh, how wonderful! Thank wow. you. And I'm not working with singers as much as I'm working with entrepreneurs and business people, That's people crazy. who are scared to get up and give the talk at the conference or even to talk at the board table yeah. and and people who are afraid to publish that article, even though they know it's probably great. They're not sure. Kind of like me with my video course. Yeah. It's probably great, but I'm not sure. So ah. yeah, ah yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, having that confidence is everything. It's everything. And believing in your research, believing in your experience, that yes. your voice is as important as anyone
1: else's. You know, Absolutely. that
0: is something that's hard for people to understand.
1: Yes, but your voice is there is no one's voice that is more important than yours. That's right. And vice versa. Mm-hmm. We are all worthy of being heard. So follow your passion, listen to your heart, and move forward with what you were called here to do. And get your stories, get that crap out of the way. That's because right. you've got big
0: to do. That's right. Mm-hmm. Be courageous. Take that chance. Get yes. out there. Yeah. 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 I, yes. think, I think it's so wonderful what you're doing. I mean, you're really, you know, you're really like an inspirational speaker. You're, use, you're coming toward it from a musical perspective, but you're talking about a lot of things that everyone
1: deals yes. with. Yeah. You know, there's one thing with our industry, Greta, and you and I both being, um, you know, working somewhat outside of academia. We've learned our business skills along the way. We've worked in the world of business. We know the language. Um, and and what we find, I'm sure you found this, is if you're in a room, say a networking meeting of, of business people, and you start talking about voice, you can drop the tiniest little nugget and they'll be like, wow, I never knew that. Mm-hmm. We have information in our field about how the voice works and how confidence works and how stage works. Mm-hmm. We have all this knowledge that we kind of keep to ourselves yeah. and only the individuals come to us. So I'm, this has been my, my passion all along has been to get that information out there so that it can be received by everybody, which is why I publish books and why I'm doing keynote speaking now to empower people to use their voice.
0: I think that is, I think it's wonderful. You know, when you say that we, we have all this information and we keep it to ourselves I think we in general just don't realize the value of the yeah. things that we have learned as performers. We don't we don't always recognize the value of those things to others.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a better way of saying it. Absolutely. Yeah. We've just lived in our our world and they're yeah. in a parallel world. Right. We don't realize how to help them. That's yeah. right.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, that is just fantastic. So are there any other things that you'd like to share with us?
1: Oh my gosh. For, for those of you out there that listen to this as a business con- podcast and you're on your entrepreneurial journey, I used to joke that as an independent voice teacher, I was climbing an invisible ladder. <laughs> you know, <Okay. laughs> Everyone else in my family who had employers, they knew the ladder that they were climbing. <laughs> right? But I kept climbing this invisible ladder, not knowing where it would go. And that is my advice to any younger teachers out there or younger performers who are like, I don't know, I'm just going to coast. I don't know why I'm doing this or what I'm doing. My mom or my dad thinks this is aimless or pointless. Just keep climbing that ladder and following your passion. Mm -hmm. Even though the ladder hasn't been created yet, when you look back, you're going to have done awesome things.
0: You're right. I think that is so important. You know, I, I think we all have special skill sets outside of our singing, You know, things that have come from our childhood or from our families or from our culture or from our town or whatever. And I have found and and advise people that I consult with, try to get your arms around those things and consider including them in your offering as a singer. Yes,
1: because you have to be different. You have to be be unique, right? And so it's those little gifts that you've been given. That's what makes you different and special. That's right. Special on the singer landscape.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yes.
0: Well, Nancy, it has been such a pleasure uh, interacting with you prior to this interview. Uh, You did the National Association of Teachers of Singing Chicago Chapter workshop that I was organizing, which is how I met you. And yeah. uh, I you know, I just it's been such a pleasure to get to know you, to hear your approach to uh, to performing and to writing, and just all of the things that you're bringing to society. I think it's
1: fantastic, Thank you, Greta. I'm so honored to be part of your life and your world for this brief amount of time. This has oh, been a, a great friendship that we're starting I
0: absolutely. Love it. i'm 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 thrilled. I'm thrilled, and we will definitely keep in touch. We will post all of your information in our show notes. And I want to thank you for being with me today and wishing you much, much, much continued success.
1: Thank you, Greta. Same to you.
0: Thank you, Nancy. Singers, have you ever wanted to improve your sight reading skills? Do you want to hear harmonies better and sing them more easily? Would you like to be able to improvise and sing more styles of music? Donovan Mixon's performance ear training can help you with all of these things. Donovan has been a faculty member at Berklee College of Music and is an expert in this field. Doesn't matter where you live, classes are offered online. Visit DonMixon.com. Check out our show notes for more info. Good news, we're partnering. The Business Savvy Singer podcast is delighted to be included in the NatsCast Network. NatsCast is the official podcast network of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. It's an honor to be part of this community and have the opportunity to provide encouragement, education, and entertainment to singers everywhere. The Business Savvy Singer Podcast is brought to you by ThePrivateMusicStudio.net, Eternal Wolf Music, and Greta Pope Entertainment. Let us know if you know of a singer who is having great success in the music business. We'd love to share their story and their journey on this podcast. Send your emails to info at gretapope.com. We've had a great time with you today. See you next time on the Business Savvy Singer podcast.
1: The Business Savvy Singer.